0: good evening thank you for coming nice to be together especially knowing there's a lot of other places we could be can you hear me okay if I can yell louder Yeah, I used to be loud. Now I'm very soft-spoken. Can you hear me now? In fact, some guys told me to be quiet. Can you imagine that? Soft-spoken guy like me having to be told to be quiet. Anyway, thank you for coming. Um, wish we could do something about the weather, but this is the time of the year for the weather been pushed for this convention possibly to happen in the summer. But I don't know which man is speaking and leading that campaign. Anyway, we're going to have it tonight, tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, Sunday morning, 10 o'clock. I look forward to it. One thing here as we start, the um, line that's been coming to me is that God deals with purpose. Been thinking about that off and on all week. And uh, you know, when I'm looking at a lot of um, seasoned veterans, people have been through a lot. I'm thinking here before I got up, how many years some of you have been coming to conventions? Like you, I know uh, David used to come when he was four years old. Attended your first convention? Perhaps. <laughs> that's uh, going back.
1: Ten. Maybe
0: ten, ten years old. You weren't sitting on a lap at 10, I know that. Okay. It's a lot of years, a lot of dealings as well. But we have to say that, looking back, that God, He doesn't deal outside of purpose. And though you don't, and I don't always understand it at the time, and it can be lonely, it can be painful, He's taken us somewhere. I'm thinking of the line that Brother Buddy used to tout Don't complain about what He's Taking you through until you see what he's taking you to. And uh, the line that comes is is, uh, in Psalm 73. Until I went into the sanctuary of the Lord, then understood I therein. And, And things that we go through frequently, they make no sense until we get into the presence of God. And all the voices are quieted, all the angst, all the... Envious, you read about that, envious looking around those that seem to be getting off scot-free and and we appear to have a target, a bummer of a birthmark, so to speak. But tonight, in going into this, um, we have a chance really to um, uh, reset, you know, whatever you need to do to really allow the presence of God to have place in your heart, let's do it. There's no magic here. We know that. There is the presence of God when we gather together. So I'm excited about that. I think you are too. And we just ask you, Lord, to touch our hearts, Father. Uh, calm the waters, Lord. Quiet our souls before you. We thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to, to do business with you, Lord. To sit under the word. To abide in your presence. In Jesus' name amen good let's stand
1: It is good to be together, isn't it? All right. I'll give you a chance to get engaged right away. Lord, shaking us up started with an earthquake, so uh, keep your keep yourself alert. <laughs> Our confidence. You know, we'll start the two while Megan finds the
2: rooted in the mercifulness of the one who has bid me come, that we don't stand or minister out of our own sufficiency. We're not here by our own strength. We're not going to solve what's yet remaining in front of us by our own wisdom. So it's an awkward place, it's a place that has to be learned. So I want to cherry pick a few thoughts from the scriptures because although the scriptures are not the source of truth, they do point to something that is substantial and give us words that can help us to relate to what is not seen, and yet the authority by which all things are held together. And that, that's what we're being joined to, we're being joined to a resource that is the source. So in the process of that, he's faithful, Uh, faithfulness doesn't always translate to comfortability. I don't know if you've noticed this or not. (coughs) We had a a minor event here around lunchtime. Yeah. So somebody said, well, I don't know, is there scripture for earthquakes? And I said, well, he's going to shake once again. So that only that which can't be shaken remains. And that's mercy. He's going to dislodge everything that we're willing to let go of. And yet he's not going to take us past our tolerance Right? It, it really looks like God is a respecter of persons. Anybody else ever thought about this? He claims not to be so. Says, uh, we've had quite a few discussions on that consideration over the last several months. think probably one of the more uh, balanced presentations of this would be a contrasting of, of uh, Jonah's life with Moses' life. They both had wet water experiences. Jonah's picking seaweed out of his ear, fussing at God. You know, you really got to wonder sometimes. In Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, it's uh, a difficult one for me to get away from. I don't know that I've been trying to uh, aggressively, but... There's so much that speaks to us. When we look at the prophetic, we realize that the prophetic is not a future thing to God. The prophetic to God is a declaration of what what's already happened. That's why his prophecies can't fail. You know, in the Old Testament, if they... God was going to establish a prophetic voice to Israel, he gave short-term prophecies to somebody who would not otherwise be able to be known to establish a confidence in the people in that voice. And then he would speak further into time in order to establish a confidence for what wasn't going to be tested during their lifetime. And it said that the prophets had a great desire to look into the things with which we are partaking of. If they wanted to have a greater experience, the epic prophet in my view, although Jesus disagreed with it, would have been Isaiah when he was prophesying concerning a child and he said, unto us is one. You know, the the sense of the substance of what he was seeing so impacted him that he spoke in the present tense about a future event. It's a pretty powerful interaction there. Now, Jesus didn't agree with my assessment, so I'm trying to defer. He said that the greatest of the prophets was John, There's a lot about that that doesn't make sense to me. I, I'm going to take his word because... Yeah, but he wants us to contend with him, right? I mean, he doesn't just want us to be some robotic, you know. You can teach a parrot for a cracker to talk English. It's just This is not just a regurgitation of Verbiage. This is an interaction with the authority from which the words are sourced to actually change what I am into his likeness. Yes, right. And he doesn't mind us contending with him. In fact, I think he sets himself as his adversary concerning us on purpose. He says he tried to kill Moses. Yeah. I, I'm just quoting scripture I'm not making it up <laughs> Anyway in the 53rd chapter of Isaiah there's a prophetic voice that was established in the midst of Israel and it was speaking concerning Messiah and it was talking about the constraints under which this life was selected to be a redemptive influence for all mankind would come to ascendancy. would come to a manifestation of an impact. And that the impact of that redemption was going to be largely not seen and not felt. It's a funny thing, you know. In the 10th verse, a very contradictory concept to natural process is addressed here. When speaking of God concerning son, it says, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Talk about God being your adversary. I don't know if that's what happened to Moses or not. God tried to kill him and just ended up bruising him up. Some, you know, it's yeah. <clears throat> <clears throat> when thou shall make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. And here's my, my segment this evening for consideration. It says, he shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. We enter into the kingdom through great tribulation, Jesus speaking. Then Nicodemus said, if you're not born again, you can't see. Neither enter into the kingdom of God. And we've learned, hopefully, and are not only learning the truth of it, but learning the processing of this, that seeing is not being. Yeah. That seeing is an opportunity of partaking. Yeah. In Romans, the 13th chapter is Paul is wrap, wrapping up his legal justification of God in Christ. Because God is willing to be just and he's willing to prove himself to be just. And if we read Romans from that point of view, we find it's a legal document that justifies what God has done toward man. And the exhortation in the 13 chapters, it begins is that let every soul be subject to the higher powers. And it goes on to say that every power is of God, all authority is of God. And we have the opportunity, standing in front of us, to partake of that which the prophetic desired to encounter, but could not. They looked at it afar off. And the means by which we have participation is to subject ourselves to the higher powers. What does that mean? Well, you need to find that out. What authority do you live by? What authority are you willing to subject yourself to? What process are you willing to join him in the fellowship of his sufferings? Are you willing to take upon yourself the sentence of death? and to bear in your body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of the Lord Jesus might also be made manifest. There's there's authority that is seeking to bring substance to the testimony of Christ in the earth. That there be a manifestation that accumulates because there are those that have given themselves to be formed through the working of God in them to the point that it can be declared that what is unseen can be made manifest. We're not we're not this isn't something that isn't isn't already made. We're being joined to something that exists. But if I've got a death grip on what I am what I have So Paul, coming through an encounter with the spirit that gave rise to this prophetic voice, when it says it pleased the Lord to bruise him, he said, oh, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. Comma. The fellowship of his suffering. Comma. Being made conformable to his death, so that by every authority, everything that can be brought to bear, that all things would work together to bring the purpose of God to fulfillment in my life. Paul speaking to these things, you know, he didn't. The topic isn't always indicative of what's being seen. You can look out not right now, but
3: <laughs>
2: you could describe a variety of scenarios that are out there to be seen. And, and although the the subject might vary, the vista is being spoken of as the same thing.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: God is intending with his purpose. His energy is invested in bringing to a harvest a testimony of a life by gathering all things together in Christ. (coughs) And Christ is the mobility by which God has provided access to man, to himself. Christ is a vehicle. Christ is not a destination. Christ is a ladder. It joins heaven and earth. And the journey that we're on is not that we're going somewhere, it's that we're becoming something. Mm -hmm. I'm the journey. You're the journey. God wants to bring a testimony to His working, to a completion in the life that He began in. Mm -hmm. Caused me to come. He's called. He's invested a covenant toward us that encompasses every possible scenario. And it ends in victory. Mm -hmm. You alone are merciful. Mm -hmm. The mercy of God that sustains what is inadequate in spite of its incapacity. It's a, it's an amazing provision. Earlier in Romans, the fourth fifth chapter, Paul discussing what David saw concerning Abraham's life, was he said, "There's a blessing that God has made available to mankind, and blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not." Will not. It doesn't say keep from. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say keep from. It says will not impute sin. And blessed is the man to whom the Lord will impute. Righteousness, we're sustained in a relationship that is funded by a merciful provision that will not allow anything to intervene and separate us from that provision as yeah. long as we walk in faith. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, if, if I'm going to overcome. It's going to be by faith. Faith isn't wishful thinking. Faith is submitting myself to the authority by which my problem today is solved by God. It's according to his working that work is in me, my belief. That's his intention. And he knows our frame. He knows what it's gonna take for, he knows the end from the beginning. My uprisings, my downsittings. He looked at Abraham and he anointed the 11th chapter to describe Abraham's walk as never wavering. I don't know if that's subject to the thesaurus or <laughs> he didn't waver but he wobbled, you know. He wasn't perfect. And yet he spoke concerning David. A man who is his heart has been perfect before me every single day of his life. Be careful who you let judge you. You see David crying out for the judgment of God, Mm -hmm. and I don't know when. You know it'd be kind of interesting to know at what point some of these things were actually spoken or written. What What was that day? You say, "Judge me." according to thy loving kindness. Mm -hmm. We sang tonight about cast me not away from thy presence. I know God's omnipotent and if he's gonna cast he could cast for quite a distance, you know. But he's also omnipresent. So you know Yeah. You know, the old deep philosophical attempt if the tree falls up in the wilderness and nobody's there to hear it, does it make a noise? Can God make a rock so big he can't pick it up? You know, all that kind of nonsense? Can he cast you far enough away that he's not present? Well it makes up the difference. Where's the discrepancy of these things that we have words for and they hit my soul with an effect? Yeah. And they bring a confidence to me toward my Father. So where, where are these things resolved? Right here. If you, if you decided, and, and I don't know that anybody here is Machiavellian enough to do this, but I'm apparently Machiavellian enough to think about it, if you were going to test somebody's faith, what would you test their faith with? You know, if you were going to sit down and devise a test for somebody's faith, what would you, what would you test it with? We, t- we talked about this, not a great length, but in a little while. We agreed that what the best thing to test faith would be was something that you see that isn't what is hoped for. You invested with an anticipation of this result. But here you are. Work it out. I believe these are some of the sufferings of Christ. It said he had to learn, he, Jesus, had to learn obedience. It doesn't mean he was disobedient. That's not the other option. But to come into a fuller complicity to Bring your soul to a greater authority and a greater influence of that authority. Though a child differing nothing from a servant and under tutors and governors of the mother until the time appointed to the father and then steps out in response to the father. (coughs) Begins to live life with a different connectivity for a different purpose. Mm -hmm. The prodigal going home hoping to get a job. Because yeah. Yeah. he realized living under the benevolence of his father's house was better than living free to his own purposes yeah. and his own thoughts and his own way and his own intent. Yeah. And finding that the true riches never bothered his father, bothered his older brother that he wasted half of his father's inheritance, You know, but never bothered the father because he knew the truth. The Father's stuff wasn't the point. Yeah. The Father's the point. Yeah. <laughs> to come to learn Him. Oh, that I might know Him. Mm-hmm. And the power of His resurrection. <laughs> Jesus did not raise Himself from the grave.
3: Yeah.
2: I know He said, I lay my life down and I take my life up again. Right. This is a dynamic of a son living before a father Not thinking it, robbery. Not taking it unto himself. Not being the source of anything. You know, Jesus said, if any man enter in by any other means, he's a thief and a robber. Jesus didn't live as a thief or a robber. He partook of that which was God's provision. But he had to lay his life before the one who was acting upon it. And then he picked up what was beneficial as a result of that work for it's God that works in you what is pleasing to him Mm -hmm. Galatians This um, phrase has been with me for, I guess, since before the Lubbock Convention. Paul talking about the inception of God's, the impact of God's purpose in the soul of that which he's looking to redeem. Now, one of the great things about redemption is that the vessel of wrath that was suitable for destruction actually survives and becomes a vessel of honor suitable for glory. It's not destroyed by the process. It's brought to purpose by the process. I mean, this is only, only God can do those things. Romans 9 tells us of the process. It does not say that he took one lump and divided it into two portions and made one bad vessel and one good vessel. He said of one lump. And that's redemption. We're intended to survive the process. That's why we have to learn to live by faith because it looks like not only are we not worthy, but that this process is impossible to survive. This is not the death of self. This is death to self. Colossians 14,
3: 13,
2: to Paul 12, 11. Okay. first chapter of Colossians giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us suitable to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life you know how he did that? he made me subject to vanity
3: yeah right <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: it's quite a program yeah it is That's how we're suitable to be partakers is being subject to vanity. It's like, if you can't overcome this, then there's no point of this. This is Jesus talking with Nicodemus, they're having a cup of coffee in a cafe in Jerusalem. It was decaf. Yeah. No croissant. And, and Nicodemus obviously wasn't getting the message, and so Jesus said, "Look, uh, you pick up the coffee; I'll leave the tip. But we just would we'll talk later. If you don't, if you're not getting this, this is being subject to the higher powers. Give yourself to God where you are. He's 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 called you yeah. unto Himself.
3: Yeah.
2: Just respond. Yes. Yeah. yeah. How do I do that? In faith. What does that look like? It doesn't. Right? Faith is the continuity that we have with what isn't seen. What do you mean, what does it look like? I had somebody say to me, well, how do I know that what I believe is true? I said, well, repeat that to yourself 10 times a day until it doesn't make sense. Because you're not going to know what is faith. It's going to bring you into a confrontation with your Father. And He's going to bring forth in you something that responds to Him. And you're going to learn Him. He doesn't have form. Right. I did it in Lubbock. It didn't work out real well, did it, Joe? Not so much. Not so much. I'm going to be more careful this time. Is this empty or full? Well, it's full of air, right? Is this substance or is it? not. There's more about it that isn't than what seems to make it look like it is. All things are upheld by the word of his power. He's, He's a spirit. All things are made by him. And not only without him was not anything made, but he upholds all things by the word of his power. And without them, it wouldn't consist. It would would just disappear. That's why being subject to vanity is such a critical solution to overcome vanity by faith. To come to where our energy and our resources have been depleted by failure and sustained by provision to the point where we no longer live out of our own resources. They're not going to work. They can look like they're going to work for a while, but they don't. (laughs) Who have delivered us from the power of darkness and have translated us into the kingdom. Of light. <coughs> right? You can't see if you're not born. <coughs> yeah. Who? In whom we have redemption through His life. Living as He lived. As a son before the Father. Growing in faith trusting, living out of what isn't seen by a higher power than what is visible, being fashioned according to what doesn't have form. The firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, powers. See why it's critical to be subject to the higher powers. You know, we're protected as children. It goes so far in reading some of the things that Paul wrote concerning parents and children that a child is sanctified by the faith of their parents. It's like, there's a head scratcher. <laughs> but that there's a provisioning of oversight to protect for that which can't protect itself. And, and God has treated me that way. I've been a, a city with walls broken down and any kind of a wandering, floundering influence that came by, I was like, oh, look at that. But this is not that day. This is a day when he's leading that which has been held captive. And it says that he led captivity captive. The holy place is an experience of being that captivity has led to freedom. You have to bring yourself willingly to be a captive. It's not something that he's gonna take. It's something you have to see, C-E-D-E, yield to him concerning. If you still love your life in this world, you're free to live it. Hating my life in this world is not the circumstances of limitation. And yeah. It's cold outside and I'm hungry and got to hangnail, my big toe, those aren't the sufferings of this world that have to be overcome. The limitation of vanity, that regardless of what I invest, I get no return on my investment. This, This is what Solomon looked at when he said that it's not just vanity but if you live under its influence long enough and pay attention it's going to vex your spirit and you're going to learn to hate your life in this world and you will thereby bring yourself subject to a higher power than just what's natural that's what Nicodemus never got he couldn't make the upgrade from what was natural reasonable process and historic encounter with this world to something that was Another age in another world that was available, but he couldn't make the jump by faith. And we're called to live in this world by the authority of another age. The next one, and we could look at the first couple chapters of Hebrews. It's not my intent tonight to do so, but and we could recognize that. Angels are what govern this world. But it was not unto angels that he gave the authority of the age to come. Mm-hmm. And the very next verse is, but in a certain place he said, what is man? Yeah. Who will step up? Who is going to you know, respond by presenting themselves in weakness to an authority that is going to bring that influence that is unseen to bear, to bring a substance and a testimony to the life of Son and compress it and establish it so that it is substantial. Yeah. You know, this, this, this world is not going to be changed by a gospel.
3: Yeah.
2: They're not waiting for another message. I hope you didn't come tonight to hear a message, but to bring ourselves to be subject, that there would be an encouragement and an uplifting and a strengthening of that which, when I'm dependent upon myself, I just want to say this... 20th verse. I didn't skip it by mistake. I just don't want to shed blood on that battlefield tonight. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that we're sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, What you know, what is that? Would we make a list of wicked works. Would we get to my mindset as being the summation of the wicked works? The limitation of myself and my resources. Yet now has he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. See, that's where David had a perfect heart before God. Every single day of his life. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. You know, the devil doesn't condemn you. He accuses you. You know how you get condemned? You own the accusation. And you yielded yourself to a lower power. You didn't stay subject to a higher power. I mean, these things have a practical application. These things are things that we have to learn as sons. To keep our head above, you know, it's okay if the water's here, unless you got a head cold. (laughs) But baptism is an adversarial environment that's designed to bring you up in newness of life. Right? It's contrary to us in our natural state. This is natural. Becoming spiritual, the first man becoming the last man, bringing many sons to the fulfillment of the purpose that the first one accomplished. presenting a you holy and unblameable and reprovable in his sight. And this, this word, if, shows up in the New Testament. It's okay. And it, it really doesn't matter what the Greeks think about it. Because when you subject if to a higher power, it becomes when. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, it isn't a matter of translating. It isn't a matter of it should say this or it should... The way it works is if becomes solid through faith. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That which doesn't look possible is attainable yeah. through faith. Mm-hmm. The just, having been freely justified by grace, it's designed so that we can learn to live by faith
3: mm-hmm.
2: and come to the full expression of everything that's God's intention towards us. When we continue in the faith grounded and settled, repent, 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 repent some more, repent again, get good at it. Sometimes maturity can be measured by how long does it take you to repent. put a stopwatch on it, chart it, you want to journal? Journal that. I mean, we're not going to get through from being natural, subject to becoming spiritual, Lord Lord over, without repentance. The consideration is is ridiculous. The disciples went to Jesus looking to get, you know, approved, show how much they had learned. And he said, we've been been discussing this for some time now, and we just wanted to say that uh, if our brother offend us seven times, then we forgive him. That's good, right? Jesus said, well, 70 times seven would be a start. Would Would he exhort the disciples to a greater extension of mercy than God himself has? 490 times. Yeah, it was Don Stockford is one of the best teachers that I've been around. He said, hey, you've got to put this in context. This is 490 times in one day over one issue. So well, that's going to press me tomorrow. <laughs> Somebody asked me, so what have you been doing so far today? I said, well, I was practicing being God. What's <laughs> your calling? To be joined to Him, right? To be filled with most of what God has in Him and function the way He does toward one another and be merciful one to another, tender hearted, forgiving, even as God for Christ's sake forgives. You know, those kind of things. I said, well, what, what did that look like? I say, well, I realized that God loves the unlovely. He forgives the sinner. He imputes righteousness instead of sin. Because I had a list, and I was going down the list, and I got to the fifth person on the list, and I went, I really suck at this. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not very good at this. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. By what? By your own failure. Mm-hmm. By you putting the natural man in judgment over his spiritual work that God has begun in your life and is seeking to fund by omnipotence.
3: Yeah.
2: And omnipotence doesn't recognize obstacles. This isn't something you can't measure difficulty if you're omnipotent. Be not soon moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Who now rejoice. Here's my point. Because I, you know, I don't know, do you have a life verse? I don't know that it's it's important to have one, but I didn't hear somebody do a seminar on it say, okay, Lord, any life verse, and just get kind of stenciled across my forehead. My life verse is in like Micah, the seventh chapter. And I've known it's been my life verse for longer than I've been accountable to it. You know, when he led captivity captive you have to find a willingness to be a disciple to go from being in captivity to becoming a captive this is a willing captivity that was a fourth sentence no choice here this is choosing to be subject to but this is the sound of my life verse i will bear The indignation of the Lord, for I have sinned against him. Until he plead my cause. Subject to the higher powers. Let God process your soul. That's his desire. Lay ourselves bare before him. Well, how do I know? Well, you're not going to do it right to start with. This is Jesus had to learn obedience. It's not a store down in the corner that obedience are us, and we go down to the store and get a big package of it so that we can do it right. This is learning. This is his influence to teach us, to train us. This is his interest in my life, is to bring forth out of what has no form an image of his likeness so that he can be seen. It's the only thing that's going to make a difference to this world. It's called a manifestation of the sons of God, Mm -hmm. nothing else. This world is not going to bow the knee to anything short of that. I don't know what that looks like. I'm glad I don't know what it looks like. Because it's just an energy and the resonance of the natural soul to take it till you make it. And it just doesn't work in the kingdom of God. But here's the response to my life first, and this is what I'm learning. To rejoice in my sufferings for you. And you know, I, I know people that would hear that and justifiably say, you know, you might be taking more on yourself than you should. I don't know if you're there or not. I don't know. We'll see. And fill up that which is behind in the afflictions of Christ. This is post ascension stuff, right? This is this is not prophetic looking forward at Messiah. And fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh. And, and this word here, for his body's sake, I, don't, I try to stay away from research and Greek because I think it sometimes conflicts the truth instead of establishing it. But in this case, the use of that word for his body's sake is not talking about the body of Christ. It's talking about the substance. Yeah. Something that is able to be seen, to be touched, to be encountered, to be testified concerning. We're not talking about the body of Christ, many members, each one supplying the need of the whole and one head, Jesus. You know, it's that's not the body there. The body there is to bring substance to the prophetic so that it can be made manifest. That's your calling. Say, well, that sounds far-fetched. Well, read the beginning of Isaiah 53. It starts out saying, this is one of the more far-fetched chapters in the Bible. Who has believed our report? This is nuts. It's crazy. It's against the testimony of nature itself. It's impossible. And if that isn't enough, to whom is God's intent and his methodology been revealed so that what is hard to believe can actually take place in our experience?
1: Amen. Thank you, Brother John. That was great. Good start to the convention. Would you say amen to that? Yeah. You know, I was thinking uh, there was so much good there, but a couple of the things that he said that that we could take home with us tonight, one of them would be, blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not yeah. impute. Yeah. And But blessed is the man to whom the Lord will impute righteousness. Right? So, and that's because of the covenant that we're under tonight. Regardless of what you see. This is the covenant that you're under. Now, does that mean license to go about and let the flesh have its head? No, that's not what it's talking about. That's talking about keeping you joined to the Lord in the process that we're in to bring us on to full maturity. The other thing that I thought that he said that is a take-home point would be, give yourself to God mm-hmm. wherever you are. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is so key because we want to wait till we get ourselves someplace where we feel like we're acceptable.
3: You know? yeah.
1: mm-hmm. And I, I'm thinking about a, a word that Brother Bill shared recently about Abraham and how that God uh, you know, said, listen Abraham, he appeared to him in a vision and said, I'm your shield. I'm your reward. I'm your exceeding great reward. And you know. And, and Abraham, after telling him that, he says, Lord God, what will you give me? Yes. Seeing I go childless, yeah. and this, this Eliezer of Damascus, my servant, is my heir. He says, no, no, he won't be your heir, but he that comes forth from your own vows will be your heir. Yeah. And then he took him out further, and he said that your seed is going to inherit this land. And he said to him, Abraham said to him, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And I thought the point in that message goes right in with what John was saying tonight in giving yourself to God wherever you're at. Wherever you're at in the process. And he he told him, he said, here's here's how you're going to know. Over in Genesis 15, he he said, take me a heifer of three years old, a she-goat of three years old, a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove and a young pigeon, and he took all unto him all these and divided them in the midst and laid them each piece one against another, but the birds he divided not. And I thought it's so interesting, and I remember Brother Sam speaking on this is the uh, you know the stairway, the secret of the stairs is in the offering. Wherever you find yourself, maybe you find yourself in a heifer stage. But you know what, each stage that you offer yourself to God, there's a there is an ascension. Going from the heifer to to the goat, to the ram, to to the bird life, to the heavenly life that doesn't need to be divided. But it's in the offering. And you know what folks, that's something that we can do tonight. Is to come to God in, in whatever place you find yourself. And this is what I find myself doing. Wherever you are. And you know what, I don't know where I'm at. You know, you may think you're in the bird stage and you may just be barely a heifer. You know. So it's hard for us to... But but regardless, don't even try to judge that where you're at. God knows where you're at. Just give yourself to Him. Amen? Let's stand.